this morning. Thank you for joining us. I'm Tommy Johnson. I'm the lead pastor here at College Park Castleton. It is certainly a strange thing to have an empty church on Easter. And yet it's been well said, while our churches may be empty, the good news is so is the tomb. Jesus is alive. And that means we have reason to hope this Easter Sunday. As we always do in our worship gatherings, we want God's words to be the thing that drive what we do together. So I'm going to read from a section of Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. This is what God's words say. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed at this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the, to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There certainly has been enough bad news for a lifetime over the last few weeks, hasn't there? Schools are closed for the remainder of the year. For the senior class, that meant abruptly the end of their high school careers. That's pretty bad news. Millions of Americans have found themselves suddenly out of work. That's pretty awful news. Just recently, we passed a grisly sort of milestone, over 100,000 dead globally related to the coronavirus. That's really bad news. It feels like, maybe you feel this with me, that day after day, there's a constant drumbeat of bad news. So you can understand why people are so hungry for good news, any good news they can find. In fact, there's one YouTube sensation that has sprung up overnight over these, this very thing. Uh, actor John Krasinski has put together a comedic show on YouTube called Some Good News. He's the pajama-panted host of this webcam video show, and people love the light-hearted good news he brings, so much so that the first video has over 16 million views. I think we all understand how much we need good news. And yet, as good as that show might be, it 
getting our minds off of the situation, as good as it might be at bringing a smile to our faces, ultimately we know it doesn't solve the problem, does it? Now the coronavirus is still out there. Jobs are still lost. Lives are still altered, some of them irreparably altered. We are still the same place at the end of that comedic video show as we were at the beginning. And yet what we see this morning in Luke 24 is a different sort of good news. Good news that's not hot off the presses. In fact, it's 2,000 years old. And yet it's more relevant than ever. It's the best news that this world has ever heard. It's a a headline that came 2,000 years ago that says, Jesus came back to life. And friend, when you understand what that means, it changes everything. This morning, that's what we're going to see from Luke 24, 1 to 12. A headline that says, Jesus came back to life, and three bullet points underneath it. Three bullet points as relevant today as they were when Luke wrote this down. Those three bullet points are as follows. First, Jesus came back to life and it was unexpected. It was unexpected. Nobody saw it coming. Second, Jesus came back to life and it was planned. It turned out this was his and God's plan all along. And then third, Jesus came back to life and it changed everything. Nothing can be the same because Jesus walked out of that tomb. And I hope this Easter that you, wherever you are listening to this sermon, that you would come to the conclusion that you have a reason to hope because Jesus is alive. Let's begin with that first bullet point under the headline, Jesus came back to life and it was unexpected. A little context is helpful at this point. Jesus had been killed on Friday. His enemies were elated at this. They had been plotting and scheming to put him to death, looking for just the right opportunity until finally it came. They, they set a meticulous trap and sprung it to perfection. And the result was an innocent man tacked up onto a Roman crucifix. Uh, an innocent man killed for political expediency. Now we're at Sunday morning and they have had a few days for their victory lap. A few days to feel the safety and security of knowing their power is no longer threatened. His, vic- his enemies were elated this Sunday morning. Simultaneously, his disciples were dejected. They had watched powerless as their loving teacher and friend was killed in front of their eyes, they watched their hopes evaporate. And they must have thought, there's no bringing them back. We pick up with a group of those disciples, a group of women that are coming to the tomb that Sunday morning. They're coming so to do a loving and honorable deed. They're, they're coming to Adorn the body of Jesus with ointments, a a way to keep the smell of rot away for just a few days. Something that loved ones would do if they had the means to do so for those closest to them. And yet, in the midst of this 
gathering of dejected disciples, something very unusual happens. They find an empty tomb. Look with me, verse 24, starting verse, verse 1. On the first day of the week, as early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Those were not light stones. They don't accidentally roll away. They were rightfully perplexed. What could this possibly mean? Did, did some grave robbers come in and steal his body? Did something go wrong? Did dogs come in and eat it? What is going on? Well, in the midst of their confusion, some angels come and confront them. That's what we see in verse 4. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. These dejected women are confronted by angelic messengers. Here they're described as men in dazzling apparel. The glory radiating out from these spiritual beings confirms something very strange has happened here. At the beginning of Jesus' birth, there were angelic messengers that announced the com his coming into the world. And now, here as his resurrection from the dead, angels appear again to announce this new era, this new form of the Lord Jesus. They rebuke the women in a way. They ask him, what are you doing looking for the living among the dead? As if what you're doing makes no sense at all. And then they drop the bomb. He's not here. He is risen. Now realize, friends, that nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw coming a Messiah that would suffer and die and then come back to life. Oh, certainly the religious Jews in his day, some of them did believe that God would one day resurrect the righteous from the dead. But they believed it would happen on the final day, on judgment day. No one thought he would do that to his Messiah before that day. The Greek philosophers uh, thought this to be a ridiculous thing for a different reason. They thought that the best thing that you could possibly do would be to escape this earthly mortal life. That dying released your spirit into the better spiritual world. So to be resurrected from death would be to go backwards. It was an impossibility. No one would possibly ever want to do this. Even his own disciples, they didn't see this coming. Now, to be sure, Jesus had been preparing them for the fact that this would be the case. We'll see that in just a moment. And yet their hopes in Jesus were the hopes of a political and military Messiah. Someone that would come and by force put God's people back on top. Messiahs don't lose. God's chosen ones don't die. Jesus dying, coming back to life, no one thought that was going to be the case. 
You can see the, how difficult this is for them to understand. Even when the women bring back this report to the 11 disciples, did you catch that? That they, the apostles actually thought they were just making up some idle tale. They just thought they were telling stories. This was the furthest thing from anyone's mind. And yet, friends, it's exactly what happened. Now, please, if you're joining us this morning and you're not regularly someone that reads the Bible or tunes into a, a, a church's broadcast or regularly thinks about the Christian faith, please don't misunderstand what's being said here. Christians do not believe that Jesus appeared to be dead and went on the equivalent of an ancient ventilator that he just passed out and the coolness of the tomb revived him. No, no, Christians don't believe that. Christians also don't believe that this is just a, a made-up story that inspires us, a spiritual reality that's separate from actual real-life events. No, Christians and the Christian faith is built upon the reality that the, a single man died on a Friday 2,000 years ago, and that same man came back to life the following Sunday. If the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then the Christian faith falls apart. As unexpected as this is, please realize it's true. Resurrection of Jesus. Jesus coming out from that tomb. A dead man coming back to life. It was unexpected. But even more than that. Second bullet point. It was planned. It was planned. Now you might think if it was unexpected that this was a change of plans. That God just kind of rolled with a misfortunate series of circumstances. Life gave him lemons and so he made lemonade and rose Jesus from the dead. But this is quite different. No, the resurrection from Jesus was precisely God's plan. And that shows us there's an intentionality behind it. Back during the Great Depression, baseball captured the imagination of so many Americans. And one particular figure that seemed larger than life was Babe Ruth. One of the legendary stories about Babe Ruth occurred on October 1st, 1932. It was game three of the World Series. Sco uh, score was four runs to four. Babe Ruth came up to bat in the fifth inning. The opposing team, the Cubs, were heckling him nonstop. And we actually have video of this. Ruth, in the middle of the at bat, when he got to two strikes, he pointed out into the bleachers to a particular spot. Later on, he would explain he was calling his shot. He was saying precisely where he was about to hit a home run. Now, it wouldn't be a legendary moment if he didn't actually pull it off. A big swing, a connection, and bam, whammo, off it went right to the spot he pointed to. See, when something is planned, it brings to the forefront all the more how amazing it is when it happens. Something this big Something this unexpected to be planned shows the, the bigness and the power of the one behind it. Realize, friends, that Jesus rising from the dead was Jesus' plan from the beginning. It was his plan from the very beginning. 
I told you earlier that angels announced his birth. Those angels told his parents that he would save his people from their sins. As Jesus grew, his understanding of this grew. And as he gathered disciples around himself, he explicitly taught him this very truth. That it was his life that was meant to be given as a sacrifice. That he lived in order to die for sinners. The angels remind the women of this very thing in verses 6 through 7. They say, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. It was no accident that Jesus died. He gave up his life willingly. It was exactly what he came to this earth to do. And the finishing touch on his mission was to raise himself back to life. Now, it wasn't just Jesus' plan, though. It was also God the Father's plan. Long before the man Jesus walked this earth, there was a plan put forward by the eternal God. Father, Son, and Spirit all agreed Son of man, the son of God, he would come and die and rise again. There are literally hundreds of passages in the Old Testament that either anticipate or flat out predict this sequence of events. You can look at Psalm 16 or Isaiah 53 as some examples. Jesus himself would take the time to explain these passages to his disciples as after he resurrected from the dead. See, friends, we have to remember Jesus isn't just the lamb that was slain for our sins. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. That means that there's a perfect timing to all of this. Every moment of Jesus' life it is perfectly synchronized with the heavenly clock. And that means that this resurrection from the dead, it was planned from the very beginning. Now, friend, realize it's not just Jesus' life that's perfectly planned by God. If you are hearing this sermon this morning, it is no accident. If on this Easter you find yourself at a place where you're running out of hope, maybe you finally realize you're out of answers. And maybe, just maybe, your heart is starting to wake up to the reality that you need a hope outside of yourself. A hope that the coronavirus or all the entailments of it can't touch. Friend, that's not an accident. You are being confronted with the resurrection of Jesus. And maybe what God's doing in your life, in this whole pandemic, maybe the thing he wants for you is for you to find a hope that's indestructible to anything in this world. A hope that can only come by knowing Jesus yourself. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, friends, it's not just a fact. It's a fact that changes everything. And it can change your life this Easter. That brings us to the third bullet point underneath the headline. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive and it changed everything. It changed everything. It changed the disciples who witnessed it. And it turned the world upside down as they went and proclaimed it. And friend, it can change your life 
this morning. We see one example of someone who's being transformed. That's Peter. He doesn't believe what the women tell him. So he goes running to the tomb himself. And then in verse 12, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping to look in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. He looks in and he sees the tomb is empty in his mind. It starts running than his le- faster than his legs were a moment ago. Peter starts thinking to himself, if Jesus, if he's alive, what, what does that mean? Now, he didn't figure it all out at once. It took days and Jesus very graciously showing himself to Peter and explaining things. But little by little, he and the rest of the disciples came to these conclusions. If Jesus is alive, that means he really is the only Lord of this world and the world to come. There's no one else that has authority over us and this world but Jesus. If Jesus is alive, then that means that he really did pay for sins on the cross. It really means that we can be forgiven by God. If Jesus is alive, it means he really did overcome death. That he really can grant us eternal life. If Jesus, if he's alive, then that means that he is the only source of security in this world. But if we have that security, if we know him to be our savior, then there's nothing in this world that can steal our joy. There's nothing that could possibly stop us. This truth that Jesus rose from the dead would transform a a group of frightened, scattered disciples into a group of fearless witnesses that would turn the world upside down. And friend, he can turn your life upside down. If you believe in that resurrection from the dead like they did. You see, as the disciples came to an understanding of what it was that had occurred and all the implications of it, they started preaching a message A message we call the gospel. Gospel just means good news. And friends, it is the best news this world has ever heard. It goes something like this. There's a God who made each and every one of us. That God is perfect and good. The things he made, even including us, we were good in all that God put put it within us. And yet, the first humans, Adam and Eve... They thought they knew better than God. They rejected God's good rules for them. They disobeyed him. And in so doing, they cut themselves off from the source of life that made them. They became rebels. They deserved God's punishment. And they incurred a curse both on themselves and everyone that came after them. That curse is death. The rebellion that they started continues in each one of us. We call that sin. Each of us thinks that we can know better than God. We live our own way disregarding his own words or his rules for us. And in so doing, we only prove we deserve punishment from him. God is holy. That means he can't just let rebellion against his kingship go unpunished. No, that would be to violate his own character. But even as he is holy and just, he's also good. And from the very beginning, he had purposed to do good, far outstripping the bad that we did by sending his own son, 
the eternal son from heaven, Jesus. God himself entered into this broken world. He became a human like one of us. He was fully God, fully man, and went by the name Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never broke a single one of God's laws. He always lived joyfully, always lived obediently, and accomplished everything his father told him to do. He lived a perfect life, but it was a life that was meant to be given as a sacrifice. Sometime after the age of 30, Jesus willingly let himself be murdered. He was nailed to a Roman cross. And in addition to the physical suffering and humiliation he experienced, he himself experienced the punishment each of us deserve. See, God put our sins on Jesus and punished him in our place. Jesus was a substitute, a sacrifice to cover the penalty of our sins. And after he was dead, three days later, God confirmed that that sacrifice was accepted by raising him from the dead. So you see, friends, the resurrection from the dead is the confirmation that what Jesus said about himself and all that he did really was to secure for you forgiveness from God and, yes, even eternal life. Now Jesus has a perch up in heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. He rules over this entire world and he offers to us forgiveness of sins and eternal life if we'll stop trusting ourselves and trust him. Friend, if you believe that good news, it'll change you forever. Christians have found this to be the case down through the ages. They have found security not in politicians or economic circumstances or in their good health. They've found security only in Jesus. And the promise that one day, if they believe in him, and a day after they're dying, they will be raised to life along with him. I had the privilege of walking with a man who had just recently become a Christian a few years ago. He had survived a, a really bad car accident. And he suffered from reoccurring nightmares of that accident in the fear of death. He would wake up in cold sweats, just utterly terrified that he was going to die. But then one day someone came and introduced him to Jesus. He had never considered what it meant to be right before God. He had been living with an incredible guilt over his own sins. He found Jesus to be the savior to deliver him from his sins. He knew that he was forgiven. And then more amazingly than that, his terror of death left him. Now he still had medical complications. There was still the real possibility that he might die and he might die soon. And yet by knowing Jesus as his security and as his savior, he was able to live in joy and not fear. Friend, maybe this Easter, that's what God has for you. 
Have you been scared over these last few weeks? Has it been uncomfortable to think about death so much? Maybe there's been a, a wonderful clarity that's come to your mind in your life. What really matters most? The things that you could really do without. And yet, is there something in the back of your mind, maybe even in the recesses of your heart? Is there a worry of what would happen if you died? Friend, if you run to Jesus, if you trust him to save you, as the song we sang just a little while ago say, you would experience no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. You can have that this morning, friend. You can know that your life is secure up in heaven where the coronavirus will never reach. You can know today that you are safe and secure in the hands of Jesus. You have to repent of your sins. That means turning from the things you used to think would bring you life. Acknowledging that God's laws are right and yours are not. You have to receive what Jesus did for you as a gift, never anything you can earn. But friend, if you do that, you will find him to be more than capable to give you all you need in this life and in the life to come. Now, if you're interested in hearing more about that, there's going to be an opportunity at the end of this service where you can actually get on a Zoom call with someone. That we'd love to answer questions. And most of all, we would love to walk you through how it is you can meet Jesus this way today. Now, to all of us that are Christians, I hope we have the same reaction that Peter did at seeing that empty tomb. That we would marvel at the best of all news that Jesus is alive. It's news we need to hear again and again and again. We are saved. Our souls are secure. Our joy is complete. Because Jesus is alive. We all need good news. As Christians, I would hope we would be people that share the good news we know as readily as we possibly can. Brothers and sisters, particularly if you're a member of our church, I hope you're using the opportunity of this pandemic to hold out the hope of Jesus to the people that God has put in your life. Statistics are showing that people are more open to the thought that they might need God in their life, more open to being prayed for, more open to hearing the gospel than they have been in years. One Christianity Today statistic showed that the people are Googling where they can find prayer at a rate higher than it's been in the last five years. There are some statistics that show that pastors are seeing their congregations sharing the gospel at higher clips than they have been in decades. Brothers and sisters, while everything else is shut down, the hope of the resurrection of Jesus, it is open for business. Let's be about the business of witnessing to the fact that Jesus is alive. And we know firsthand of the security that can be found in him. It was well put. I don't know who was the first one to write it, but they got it right. It certainly is a shame that churches are empty on Easter Sunday. But oh, isn't it good news that that tomb was empty on the first 
Easter Sunday. Let's have our hearts rejoice at our risen Savior and the hope and security we have in him. Let's pray.